Jason Tatum is attacking. The numbers look great. The trends look great. I'll talk about that. Robert Williams, part of a very strong defense. And what's up with Rob's lobs? Why don't they run more? I'm going to talk about it all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown's 18. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Brain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the show. Locked On Celtics is free, part of your daily routine, Monday through Friday. Thank you for making it your first listen every single day. It's everywhere podcasts exist. You can watch the show on YouTube. I hope you do that. We're now getting closer to that 4,000 subscriber mark, trying to keep that march going. Really do appreciate appreciate that. If you've missed an episode, LockedOnCeltics.com. You can scroll back, back and, and catch anyone. I'm John Corrales. I cover the team for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. You can get that on my website, johncorrales.com, for 30 bucks for a personalized signed copy. I'm also one of the voters, the media voters, for the Boston Celtics All-Time team, which is being released. Uh, and I will do a podcast at some point here with uh, talking about the my votes for that. Uh, so that's coming up at some point. Today, I'm going to be talking about some of the things that came out of Celtics practice. Later on, Robert Williams with the lobs had a funny uh, comment. I'll let you listen to what Robert Williams said uh, about the Rob uh, lobs and a question that I got in the mailbag, johncorrales.com slash mailbag, uh, about Robert Williams catching alley-oops. In the second segment, more Robert Williams and his his defense and the impact that he's having on this defense, uh, which is really, really important. But let's start with Jason Tatum and the, the increased aggression. Jason Tatum driving to the rim, uh, very noticeably getting to the rim, a, a lot better, a lot smoother lately, and the numbers bear this out. Uh, his restricted area shooting percentage, here's the progression. In October, six games in October, not as many, as like half as many as usual, 48.6%. So he started off cold. November, 60.3. December, 66.7. January, 71.9. In his last three games, where it was very, very noticeable, he is finishing at almost 86% in the restricted area. 86%, oh, just, just under. And it's on seven attempts per game. He's averaging 14 points in the paint in the last three games, which, if that was his season number, would put him fourth in the league. And just for reference, Giannis Antetokounmpo averages 15 and a half. So over the past three games, Jason Tatum has been getting to the rim and getting to the restricted area and scoring points in the paint, pretty close to a Giannis level. And we know Giannis lives in the paint. I mean, that dude is always just finishing at the rim. So Tatum, that's only three games. It's obviously small, small sample size. I'm not sitting there saying like, this is, how he always is, is going to be moving forward, but it's very obviously uh, a, a, a focus and very obviously something that the Celtics are, are trying to, to continue to encourage. 
Tatum called it a blessing in disguise that he wasn't able to shoot threes for the beginning part of the season. He's now up to 33, just over 33% from three. But he said, I still wanted to score. I have to find another way to do it. And getting to the rim was the way to do it. Let's listen to Ime Odoka talk about Jason Tatum and his attacking and, and him just getting to the rim. Yeah, it's noticeable. Um, you know, he's a guy that can mix it up well, obviously, and, and we want to encourage him to continue to attack, uh, get to the free throw line, get to the basket, and then make the right plays, which he's done all year. But you can see a noticeable uh, improvement and focus on getting downhill. And due to the missed shots or not, the teams are guarding him different as well. But, um, you know, when the shot is falling, obviously brings the bigs up a little higher and he can attack there. But um, I think him getting out transition, looking for his openings, it really started a few games ago where he got, you know, 20 drives to the basket against Portland, which was second uh, best of his career. And then finding guys, you know, back-to-back seven assist games. And then when the shot, shot starts falling, uh, like we knew it would, it opens everything up for him. So um, to his point, he, he may have taken a few less contested shots or settled for some and got an attack mode there. And I think, you know, that puts guys back on their heels where he can, it works vice versa, you know, the other way around where they start to back up and he has a shot to walk into. So stayed confident in his work and in the process and things he do, does every day, but made a noticeable effort to get downhill. And for us, him, I think we love the physicality, him getting to free the line and uses his body to finish and find guys. I mean, he started the year kind of really out of rhythm, trying to figure out his timing for how to get deep into the paint, kept getting walled off or his shots were off. And that seems to have changed pretty significantly. So what do you, what have you seen change as far as like the timing of his drives and his pickups and things of that nature? What kind of finishes he's, he's going for? I think he's being patient, very patient. Um, you know, he's, he's mixing up well, like teams have to come up on him because he's such a great shooter off the dribble and has been for throughout his career. Um, and honestly, he was just like the jump shots that he was missing were good shots. He was missing some easy bunnies at the basket early in the year. And so, um, maybe that was legs, a little fatigue or carryover from the long off season of the Olympics or whatever it may be, but feels like he has his base up under him a little bit, finishing much stronger, getting the free throw line. And so, you know, it was one of those things where we loved where he was getting, it was just missing some easy ones. And so I think with him shooting the ball, he is now the way he is now and, and distributing as well, it kind of opens up the basket for him and. He's recognizing who he's playing against, shot blockers versus guys he can kind of go through, and just doing a great job overall of recognizing what he has game to game. Three points in there that I want to touch on. First, the the drives, the 20 drives against the Portland Trailblazers, which is the second best of his career. That is a very important point uh, to, to, to recognize, that he is ramping it up. So it, it's good now that, we're starting to see this level of aggression from Jason Tatum. Keep on driving. Uh, number two, back-to-back seven assist games. That's a byproduct of this. Now you have Jason Tatum who has been driving and uh, has in his head now the, the move the ball, attack, uh, create opportunities for your teammates, and recognizing he's been making all of these reads all season long. Now he's recognizing these things, and now he's able to pop the ball around and, and get a few assists. This is exactly what we were talking about. This is exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the year. If Jason Tatum can start getting up to seven, eight, nine assists a game to go along with his double-digit rebounds, to go along with 25-plus points per game, now we're talking about first-team All-NBA guy. 
The question now is with 30 games left or 32 games left, because this is that the next game is game number 50. So 33 games left. Can he do this for the rest of the season? Can he keep doing it and play at that all NBA level? Because right now I wouldn't put him on an all NBA team, but if the shots start falling and you know how it is, is a, what, what have you done for me lately? If Tatum can start to play at that level, <laughs> first of all, he'd be, a, he, I think he's just a slow starter in general, but secondly, uh, he, he would now be the type of player that the Celtics can truly honestly build around, right? Like if he's, if he's just going to be attacking, scoring double digit points in the paint, maybe it doesn't have to be 14 or 15, but it'd be nice. And doing all of that while averaging seven, eight, nine assists, while hitting at a good percentage, that's what he's been hitting over the past two games is a little out of, out of the ordinary, a little bit of uh, leveling out in between would be fine. That would be that that's the MVP candidate type Tatum that we're talking about. This is three games, small three game sample size. And this brings me to the third point that Ime brought up. He's recognizing who he's playing against shop blockers versus the guys he can kind of go through. So what I want to see is what do you do against the shot blockers? And obviously, obviously, Joel Embiid, um, uh, Rudy Gobert, any of the big guys, you know, even Nikola Jokic, who's, who has good defensive numbers and, and can block a shot. But the, the biggest guys, the shot blockers out there, the – those that level of shot blocker, which there aren't a ton of, but they exist. What can you do against those guys? And that's going to be the real test of his powers of driving. I don't expect him to get 14 points in the paint against those guys. But, but, but <laughs> I always say you attack the shot blocker, you attack those shot blockers, you go at the shot blocker, challenge the shot blocker. And use this drive and dish ability to go out there and either, I mean, hey, maybe you catch a body, but also maybe you catch him and somebody else coming in and you make that pass. Attack the shot blocker. It doesn't always have to be trying to dunk or finish at the shot blocker, but don't just stand there and be like, well, there's a big guy in the paint, so I'm just going to let him have that. No. You attack those guys. You get into their bodies and you challenge them to make a play. Sometimes they will, but a lot of times they won't. If you get into their bodies and challenge them to make a play, there are a lot of times that they're going to foul you. Or there are a lot of times where you're going to be able to score anyway because you can't block everything. So that's the next step for Tatum. That's what I want to see. When's the next time we're going to get a chance to see it? Maybe it won't be until Miami. So he has a couple of games here against Atlanta and New Orleans where I think he's going to have a chance to really get to the rim. Capella, Capella can, can get up there, but um, he's, he's still a little smaller. I think Tatum can take, can take it to the rim. But these next couple of games, uh, I want to see it continue, and then I want to see what he does against Miami. So that's the Jason Tatum conversation. Uh, I'll have more on Boston Sports Journal in the morning. So that's that. Up next, 
We're going to talk about the defense and Robert Williams and the impact that Robert Williams is making. And that discussion was had at practice. First, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march through the NFL playoffs into the NBA All Star break and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports wagering action in 2022. The new updated desktop and mobile website will uh, allow you to sign up today real quick for a, and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. So it doesn't matter what your favorite sports are, they're all there, plus your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Hey, thank you for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. I got to tell you about a great show coming up on the trade deadline. Make sure you're listening to the Locked On NBA live trade deadline show. It's coverage unlike any coverage anywhere. I am going to be one of the hosts. So join me, Kim Becker, Josh Lloyd of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, Antonio Daniels, Antonio Daniels, former NBA player, uh, for analysis on every blockbuster move, subscribe to the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Make sure you get the notifications on, and you'll know once we go live. Let's start this off with a question from Matt B, who says it seems like the Celtics have been a good to very good defensive team the past few weeks. What are you seeing that the Celtics are doing well on D? Is it scheme, individual performances, poor competition, something else? Uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And that's the thing about defense. There's so much that goes into it. It's so much easier to be a good defensive team against a team that misses shots. And against the Sacramento Kings, they certainly missed makeable shots. And so did the Washington Wizards. But that's part of it. That's part of the luck. Sometimes you, you play great defense and the other team is just hitting contested shots. That's going to happen too. It all averages out. So there's some of that. There's individual performances, uh, scheme. I think the scheming stuff, I think one thing that I've noticed from the Celtics, they do, they do a couple things well. First of all, and, and, and this is the whole point of this segment, is you, you got this double-headed at the start, at the point of attack, you've got Marcus Smart. Uh, when he's there and playing defense, it's, it's really good because he, you can see him calling out plays, and, and you don't always see it on the broadcast because they're not always focused on him. But I, when I see, uh, you know, especially in the first half when the teams, you know, I sit in the corner uh, above, like, but with the player tunnel, when the players walk in, when you're facing it, I'm just above that to the left. So I've got that corner view. So as teams are going down, the, I'm looking at Marcus Smart's face in the first half, and I can see him calling out plays and pointing to guys, do all that stuff. So you really get a sense of, what Marcus Smart could do defensively there. But then, then there's Rob. The, the, the point guard is, like what Marcus Smart does on, as a defensive point guard is unique because he's so smart. Point guard is the most important offensive player because he or, or often is uh, or significant, significantly important offensive player because he organizes and gets everything set. Here's what we're doing, and he starts everything off. And the pace is dictated by the, the point guard and all of that. Defensively, it's the big man because the big man generally is sitting behind everything and he's the guy that sees the entire floor. That's why Al Horford has been so important. That's why Robert Williams has been so important. The communication has been great. 
And so you have good communication, number one, all the way around. It, did, it was not good against Portland, in, especially in that fourth quarter. That was a bad stretch. But the, the communication when they're playing great is, is always top-notch. How does that manifest itself? Sometimes you've got to watch off the ball. And it is, if I'm giving you a little tip for how to watch a game and see things that you might miss, when I, when I bring something up, you go, oh, I didn't see that. Watch off the ball. See if you can spend a day, one game, watching off the ball stuff. Whoever has the ball, don't look at it. And a lot of times that's what I do because whatever's happening on the ball, you, you kind of know where that's going to go. You, you kind of use your peripheral vision. It's the off-ball stuff. So the Celtics are good at recognizing when there's a mismatch. And they do a thing called a scram switch. They're good at that. Where, let's just say, um, a, a guard, let's say uh, Aaron Nismith has switched onto a big. And they, the other team, are, are about to take, try to take advantage of that. The Celtics are good at, well, the big that they have on that side or a bigger player they have on that side switches with Neesmith or the, the smaller guy, gets him out of there, scram, and they put a better defensive matchup there. They do things like pre-switch where they almost bait the other team into um, – the into starting an action and right before that play starts to go, cause there's like time on the clock or whatever, they'll, they'll switch like the cell. One defender will switch with the other one. And so they'll put a different defender in the action. So the other team's trying to get a switch, but when the cell, when the Celtics do that, a different defender ends up on the ball than the other team was hoping for. So things like that are things that they're doing well. And then there's just flat out effort, trying hard, trying hard. Uh, but Ime did talk about Robert Williams, his impact on all of this stuff. Cause Robert Williams is able to do a lot of this stuff. And when Rob is playing his best defensively, he's a menace. He is uh, helping. Uh, and, and this is the, la the last bit. And I'll let Ime kind of get into that. Helping when something goes wrong, some, you're, oh, somebody's always going to get burnt defensively. It happens every game to every defender. Do you have the personnel behind to help and recover and still get a stop? And that's where Rob comes in. And, and the aggression that he allows that I might, I might have mentioned it yesterday in the podcast, but when you're a perimeter defender and you say, I'm guarding this guy, but instead of laying back, I'm going to be up on the ball a little bit more. I'm going to try to be disruptive. And if I get burned, I know I've got help back there. So here, here's Ime. You know, we've, we've done some different things, whether he's guarding the big and switching on or put him off ball. And to your point, he's, he's able to protect the room a little bit more there. So we found some things we like with him defensively. But we challenge our guys, the individual defense in general. That's the start of our, our, us being a good defensive team. And then knowing he's back there to protect as well as some size in general, things lets guys be more aggressive on the perimeter. Um, but – those guys have uh, really been good last few games. Uh, less mistakes in switching on and off ball. But if there are some, Rob is back there to clean it up as well as Al and some other uh, big wings. So I think we have a nice thing going as far as that and want to continue it against the Atlanta team that's playing very well. Personnel to have somebody like Rob there to clean up mistakes, but also the personnel to be able to switch, 
Al Horford able to switch onto guards and do a decent job. Uh, huge, huge. Uh, when you're running a switching defense like the Celtics have, being able to have everybody on the floor, and this is why the, the positional versatility is so, so important. Why does every team want six, eight, six, nine guys that are similarly sized? Why are we sitting there saying like, you don't trade Jalen and Jason because that's the type of player that every team wants. It's not just the offense. It's the fact that you could put them into, into a defense and you can switch with those guys and you, you still have similar. Now, Jason's taller, but you still have similar defenders, similar guys across the board. And so when you have that ability, this is why weak links like Schroeder or Peyton Pritchard, like if there's one guy who can't switch, that kind of throws everything off. So the Celtics being able to switch everything and clean all of that stuff up, the mistakes that they've been making earlier, not and not just switch everything. Sometimes they switch one through three, and they don't switch with the bigs. And sometimes they switch one through four, and they just leave the center back there, and he plays a different coverage. And their ability to communicate all of that stuff that's, that's all part of a great defense. It becomes complicated. It sounds complicated, but it's all part of a great defense. All right, what about the lobs? We're talking about Robert Williams, we've got to talk about lobs. I'm going to do that when I come back here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Why not make Locked On Bets your second listen every day? Your boy Q, Lee Sterling, going to help you when you're laying some of that money down at Bet Online. They're going to give you some good advice. Maybe they can help you win a couple extra bucks. So check out Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Dan H. went to johncorrales.com slash mailbag and asked, is there a reason the Celts don't make lobs to rob a bigger part of their offense? Is it a matter of him not being open or them not focusing on this? It seems to work every time they try it. Well, that, that does get complicated. First of all, they do run certain plays that can potentially become a lot. I highlighted that um, on Boston Sports Journal, uh, the beginning of, it was the beginning of the Sacramento game where they ran a play that Jason Tatum set a back pick and the play was for Robert Williams to roll down and get a lob. And it may not have looked at first glance like that was going to be a play designed for Rob, but it was. But two Kings went with Robert Williams. And so they, you know, pick your poison. They chose Robert Williams and they left Jason Tatum wide open. So there are plays that they run where Rob can catch alley-oops. Some of them get sniffed out for sure. Some of them just don't work. And the timing's off, and they can't throw that, that, that pass. I've seen a couple of plays this year. I can remember uh, where, like Dennis Schroeder one time, I, <laughs> earlier in the season, where he saw Robert Williams, and he just cringed. He's like, oh, and he wanted to throw that pass, and he just couldn't. Uh, that happens from time to time. And then there, there are times where they, they just don't run it. But the threat of him is, is the, the bigger, the bigger part, right? The threat of him is the, the part of the offense that matters the most. Like I said, in that play against the Kings where the threat of him caused two guys to overreact and he didn't even get the ball. 
that's that's the beauty of what Rob's gravity does in the paint. If you watch, and again, watch off ball, spend a quarter watching Robert Williams like really closely, and you'll see opportunities show up where boom, if you if you have it in that spot, you can you can catch the lob. But maybe what ends up happening is a, a guy gets pulled out of position and that opens up a driving lane and that becomes a kick out to the other side and other things happen, but the gravity of Robert Williams creates a situation where um, even though the lob was there, it opened up something else for somebody else. And, you know, it just, it's a matter of recognition and timing and all of that stuff. So I think, I think, Simply running some pick and rolls in certain situations with certain matchups uh, may allow for more more of those. You know, some games they're, they're just going to happen. You know, they they can if, against New Orleans because uh, they didn't have Rob the first game against New Orleans. So if they do the next game against New Orleans, he can get he can get a bunch. So we'll see if that happens, but. But we asked because we're talking about Rob and, and lobs and everything. When we have an opportunity to talk to about Robert William, we have to ask him about these alley oops. Um, remember, the Celtics have been a bad alley oop team. I asked him about that. Here's his answer: A couple of years ago, the team was not particularly great at throwing lobs. Do you feel like, as the recipient of all of the lobs, that they've gotten better at putting them where you can catch them? Yeah, uh, I for sure feel like they got better just because. Um... I wouldn't say they they were they were bad at throwing lobs. It's just they weren't you know used to it, and uh, they kind of got this mindset of uh, throw it anywhere now, you know. So as long as they throwing it, uh, it's my job to go get it. I mean, that being said, do you let the guys know when they throw one out of reach? Like, what are you guys doing? Do you think I'm Superman or something? Uh, usually, if they uh, throw one out of reach, and I say something to them about it, they usually say like, it don't matter, you know, go get that shit or whatever. <laughs> No excuses. Yeah, no excuses. I understand. I don't know about that. There's some crazy locks thrown around. Uh, They do throw some pretty uh, suspect alley hoops to Robert Williams, but that's okay. Um, He's been able to go get them uh, and get them better than he has in the past, and they've been really good. Like Jason threw him one that was just kind of like a little flip, and it it was funny after the game against the Kings. He was like. Yeah, you can just throw it up into the sky, and he goes and gets it. I think they do like uh, the ability to just toss one up there, and he can go grab it. So, yeah, there. I think I think throwing Rob some extra, you know, extra alley oops. Uh, we all would love to see it, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's all about what Rob, how he impacts the rest of the team, and, and sometimes it's not necessarily a lob. The pass is something a little bit different. And it's it's you know, bounce pass or a different kind of pass, and then he takes that because the defense rotates over and he swings it or something. So a lot, of, you know, a few of his assists could end up being uh, passes. Um, I mean, uh, could have been ended up being dunks or something. So there's a lot that goes into it, just like everything. But so thank you, Dan, and thank everybody for the mailbag questions. I, I think. Tomorrow, I'll, I'll focus a little bit more on mailbag questions because they, they do fly in a lot. So I will get some more of those out. So please subscribe if you are not a subscriber. Uh, watch the show on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Again, really trying to push that. So a lot of people like to watch their podcast now. So 
please do that. And if you are a subscriber, a watcher, please share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.